You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. My guest today is Jeff Sykes. He is an amazing dancer who went to Juilliard with me. We overlapped a little bit and got to teach together in New Orleans on an outreach trip. His positivity and outlook on life and artistry lift me up, and I am very grateful to talk to him about his journey as a dancer. I hope you enjoy the fifth episode of The Compass. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you keep yourself from going to the dark side as an artist? I think it's um, having a physical practice for me being a dancer. Um, I find that working out or taking class or even having a yoga class sort of really allows me that discipline, you know, to train my body at the same time every day. Mm -hmm. For some reason, just having that physical release really allows me to stay positive because I feel like if I'm if I'm biomechanically sound in my body Uh then (laughs) for some reason I can't hold tension there as much and it allows everything to circulate which is good in a physical sense and then mentally it's just sort of like knowing that things kind of stink sometimes and that's okay because it's like everything wax and wanes and everything's an evolution and everything's a cycle And when you realize that, that everything changes all the time. And then you sort of are put in this place where, oh, anything could be created, even if it might be negative on the outside. But it's like using your perspective Mm. to make that enhance your future. Like anything could end at any moment, but something could begin at any moment. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I've... (laughs) I've been having this like motto lately where it's like if a door closes and you want to get in the room, just keep trying to open it and eventually you're going to get in. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, uh, uh, I don't know. If you're persistent enough, you'll eventually get it. That's what I'm finding. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just it's just being patient in that cycle and not trying to rush things because like I'm really specific you know for all of my parts and I go into a room and sometimes it's like oh cool I'm not part of this gang like that's great cool but then when I am a part when I feel that I am a part of it from the other side of the like auditioner it's like Mm -hmm. oh cool let's jive let's do some cool dance moves together like Like, we're talking the same language yeah like lingo because yeah Hmm. I guess because it's like out of my control almost all I can do is show up into the room because what I was doing before I was like trying to figure out how to be successful. I was like, no, I already am successful just because I'm doing what I love every day. Right. I hope this doesn't, I hope this makes sense. No, it does. (laughs) But you mean that you just might not be the right match for the specific room you're in, but it doesn't mean that. And that's okay. What you're doing is wrong. Yeah, Yeah. Because you, you learn like what, what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Yeah. Because it's like the audition, sometimes performers think that the audition is just one way and the casting director has all the choice, but you're auditioning them and you're auditioning the work and you're auditioning the material yourself. And if you're open that way and you actually are communicating and listening to the other side, then it's like, oh, that's when things start happening. Right. Because you're out of trying to impress people. You're just there to do the work. And see if it interests you as much as they're interested in you as a dancer yeah yeah because then you're then you're able actually to have like a real conversation rather than getting in your head and blocking yourself before you walk into that room yeah so having that like daily physical practice really helps you stay away from feeling lost when you're not working or 
Yeah. When auditions are going badly or whatever. Because that's that it's something that I can put in my control. I guess that's why I really appreciate it. Because it's my time. It's for me. It's not for anyone else. I walk into that room and I lift those weights or I do that dance class. You know, and it's for me and it's my time to sort of hone my physical temple. Yeah. Which allows me to be a pure vessel when I need to. Like being able to tap into that at a moment's notice. Which I think is what all performers sort of strive for being able to get into that sweet spot of creativity. No, that makes so much sense. And it's it's a little harder, I feel like, for actors to stay mm. on top of their game like that because there's it's harder to work on your instrument alone than as an actor as maybe it is as a dancer when you can do yoga classes or, I mean, that's good for actors too. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> yeah, dance classes and, you know, you're not doing scene work with another actor kind mm-hmm. of thing. And also allows me to get out of my head. Yeah. Because sometimes I overthink things, and that really brings me to the dark side. Like, rule number one, like, when you overthink things, it's just going to get shadowy. It's like, break through that shade. Just breathe. You know, something as simple as, like, taking deep breaths on that subway station. Like, for instance, I was... (laughs) I had a very dramatic day in the spring. It was, you know, like, when audition seasons and you have, like, a bazillion things to do in one day. Well, I went to this call, and I got cut right away. And I was like tragically devastated you know because mm-hmm. i really wanted this and then i was like no there's another audition in an hour that if i get my stuff together i can go and have another opportunity to do what i love so i like took a moment like had had my like hyperventilating moment got my stuff together then went to an audition and booked it amazing you know what i mean and it was like oh cool that's all i needed to do yeah you know because he if I would have overthought that first audition, I would have gotten in my way for the second one. Right. Rather than just like, oh, that's fine. It is what it is. I didn't get it. It wasn't because I wasn't the right type. It was just like, not my day. Yeah. Great. Because you know how sometimes when you leave auditions, people are like, well, I didn't get this because of XYZ. <laughs> I have freckles. You know, I just have like... This look they gave me at this moment. Yeah. Or I coughed when I should have sneezed and I raised my hand when I shouldn't <laughs> have had a question. And it's just, it's not, it's not that deep. Like sometimes things happen, Mm. you know, I don't know. I always want someone to get the job, you know, when I'm in the room, I'm like, I hope someone here gets this job. I hope it's perfect for someone. Right. I hope you make a lot of money here because it's not, it's not my thing. That's so interesting to me because for actors, they don't let you know if you don't get it. And for dancers, like if you get cut the day of, right. Yeah. Like if you make it to the end of the day you have a pretty good shot of getting mm-hmm. it or you know you're in the running. Yeah. And for actors, they just don't let you know unless you're the one who gets it mm. a week later or something like that. Ah, well, it's also, you guys don't have to audition in a group as much. No. We're always, yeah. we're literally cattle. Just like numbers, numbers and leotards. That's what right. I feel like I am sometimes. So you don't ever get a chance to have that like one-on-one conversation. Mm-mm. I mean, sometimes... Direct- Which we don't either. Only if the director's really nice <laughs> do they like make conversation before you. But at least they hear the you speak. They yeah. don't even hear us speak sometimes. Hmm. You could get, I remember getting a job and I, the director had not even talked to me. He just saw me dance. Yeah. I was like, how do you know if I'm going to be a good employee? Right. Nope. Just care about how I move. That's great. Right, which in some ways is great. I love that you were so attracted to my dance, but yeah, how do you know mm. if I'm going to be dependable or mm-hmm. polite? Or... Fascinating, right? Yeah. But I said yes, and I danced her. Do you do choreography at this point in your career? Yeah. Have you been exploring that? Uh-huh. I actually just did my first solo at Justin Church mm. in the spring. Um, it was part of Stuffed. Okay. Uh, Carly Eckert did it. She's a... Um, it's a low-budget, high-visibility platform for artists in New York, and okay. they actually have free food, so it's stuffed. So it's like a nice. meal and a show, and it's free. Awesome. And it's really great. They do a lot of like curatorial works in pro- process. So that was my first professional like foray into it. Mm-hmm. And that was – it was actually really liberating because sometimes as, as a dancer in the contemporary scene, a lot of my choreography gets – I, I generate material for the people I work for and then they put the stamp on the choreography and it was fun to like have my choreography be my choreography and not anyone, not someone else claiming it. Right. 
that you own what you're doing. Yeah, and that was really liberating. Because um, I was going to ask if you're in that position of being the choreographer, like how you would change the audition experience or something like that, but you were just choreographing on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because right now I don't feel that I... I'm very interested in making work on myself because I don't want to bring other people into the studio if I can't compensate them mm-hmm. or, um, yeah, pretty much. And since I'm not in a capacity to do that, it's like, I think all my friends are beautiful dancers, but I'm not going to ask them to work for free. Cause yeah. I feel that if you are at a certain level, like you should be paid for your work, you know, you should be compensated and it shouldn't be like, Oh, I'll give you a spaghetti dinner. If you come <laughs> dance for me for six hours. It's like, yeah, for me, it's, I don't know. I'd rather work on myself and my investigation and see where that leads and try to get funding from that and then bring in dancers. I don't know. I'm over to... I'm, no, that makes a lot of sense and that's very respectful of your peers. Yeah, well, I just don't feel that there's a lot of respect, especially for dancers out there. Yeah. You know, because there's always... There was always someone younger who will do it for free or mm-hmm. will pay you to work. I, that, I did a, a dance piece a couple of years ago with Lucy Baker, who's ah. at Juilliard alum, and she was using three actor movers, mm-hmm. but she was so insistent on paying us an hourly wage for the rehearsals and the performances, and it was it was amazing, because we went to school together, and I would have done it for free, because I was excited to do something with her and to mm-hmm. kind of get to be a dancer, which is my secret dream. But I really respected the fact that she was so insistent on like, nope, this was my idea. This is a piece I'm asking you to do and I'm going to pay you whatever small amount I can per hour because you deserve that. It meant a lot to me. Yeah. And it makes you, I feel that if you invest in the people who are working for you, they invest more in the work. Yeah. You know, and for some reason, the art world is just living in this bubble that there's no business savvy or like consistency. It's like, oh, it's flighty, it's cool, it's casual, come. And then oh, it's always super rushed at the last minute. You know, there's always that stress to get the show together. It's like, wait a minute. If there was more respect in the beginning of the process, then we could have used all of our time equally mm-hmm. rather than putting so much pressure for the week before the show. We would have been using that incubation time for that three months and been working with that respect from the get go. Yeah. You know, and then it would be every second is precious in a creative process. It's not just like the last week that's important, like yeah. the whole time. And working with someone like Lucy Baker, who I, two thumbs up to you, Lucy Baker. <laughs> um, it, I don't know. It's cool because you probably had a really great process in it because there was that level. There was like that electric spark of respect in the room mm-hmm. between director and um, vessel sometimes actually a lot of times in New York for the dance world it's just not there it's like we're expected to do like go above and beyond almost and like getting paid nine weeks late like Hmm. no talk of a contract we could be fired at any time I don't know it's just very strange it always makes you feel like oh should I be auditioning for other things or should I stay here like I don't know what's going on right do you do you value me long term or should I or am I replaceable in something else yeah. yeah because there's just not that business security that I don't know exists in like every sector that isn't the arts field sometimes because yeah. we have the actors equity association we have the union for mm. some stage work mm-hmm. do you guys have that at all um, we have AGMA, which okay. is uh, a musical guild, but I'm only, it's it's only if it's a union house. Like, I'm dancing at the Met Opera this season, mm-hmm. so, like, my contract is under AGMA, but that's only very specific ballet companies or, like, the Met Opera. Right. You know, it's not... It's not most of the stuff you're involved in. No. But then, there are organizations out there that actually are kicking butt administratively, that I'm starting to find in the city I'm working for. And it's like, I just want to work for them more and more and more. Like 
third rail project in Brooklyn. Yeah, Jenna Pollock told me about them. I still haven't seen their show or been to their classes, but I hear it's amazing. Yeah, I've done some work with them this summer, and I'm hopefully continuing working with them. Fingers crossed. Um, anyway, <laughs> but they have this really wonderful way of investing in artists in more than just their artistic skill set. They'll bring them in administratively, and they mm. will put them in office hours if they can't I'll give them a full-time salary based off of their performative needs you know hmm. like someone who's in then she fell will also be a part of finance or social media or rehearsal director so they're able to put on two hats and get more compensation under the same umbrella so the directors are actually reinforcing the strength of their cast because the people who are working for them feel safe and they feel like they are going to be used and they are being invested in. And that's why those performers are there for so long. And that's yeah. why their work is so rich. Because like when you create a vocabulary between director and performer, there's something that's special and beautiful and intimate. And if you keep developing that, it's like the relationship just keeps better, keep getting better. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I see my parents and they're married for 35 plus years and their relationship just keeps getting better because they know the nuances of each other and they know them each other inside and out. And it's like, that's the, that's the relationship you want to be building creatively. Like, you, yeah. you know, like you don't want to feel like, Oh, I do. I spent like two months with this person. I spent like a week and a half with this person. Mm -hmm. I've, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's all well and good, but yeah, you want to build these long-term creative relationships. At least me, at least me in, I don't no, know. They just get deeper and deeper. Yeah. I agree. But that's so cool that they're building this community where you're invested in the organization and they're invested in you. Yeah. And also, just, yeah, I don't know. Even like how they audition, it's just wonderful. Mm -hmm. I felt like it was a workshop the whole time. You know, it's cool when you go to an audition and you feel like you are getting a skill set that is above and beyond what you have when you walked into the room. Yeah. And I don't think many places can offer that because it's all about like, who's hot, who's fierce, who has that look. Right. And like, who are you? Who but you spend so much time on auditions with no expectation of compensation or, you know, the small chance that you'll get the mm -hmm. job. So that's great to feel like that you're getting something out of it, even if you don't book it. Yeah, like and a, like also a class or something. And also in the dance world, there's so many auditions that don't even have an end result. People just have auditions to get their name out there or for like a really. Yeah, though they just like I just want to build the relationship with people, and it's like okay, I realize that. However, like but they're not planning to hire anyone nope. or have a company or mm -mm. or they've already filled that position with someone that they met two years ago. Blah blah blah. Huh. And they're just holding these auditions for visibility to get their name out there, to get people interested. And I don't know. I find that really shady. I mean, would a business have interviews if they weren't looking to fill a position? They yeah, would like say, go teach a class at a studio and yeah. advertise it that way if you want to do that. Yeah, but it's also like this weird dance culture in New York where like you give me 20 bucks for class and I'll give you $25 for an audition and then you'll come see my shows. So we all keep giving each other $25 <laughs> and it's like, just trade off. Yeah. And rather than, I don't know, like <laughs> trying, <laughs> trying to bring the art to the public. Yeah. Like, instead of just the community. Yeah. I mean, the reason sometimes I think that the New York dance scene is so strong is because there's so many New York dancers who are going to see shows you know, who are interested, who are creative, who are wonderful individuals, who I think are some of the most fantastic human beings I know. But, like, the structure that they're in, it's just, like, this, uh, this suffocating, I, I can't, I don't know, like, this pool of incestuous, oh, am I allowed to say that? Sure, no. <laughs> say it. No, but it feels, it feels a little bit like that, you know? Like, it's, you're you're doing your work, and then it's also part of your job to see these yeah. 10 shows this uh -huh. week or whatever. And like, I'll see my friend do this or I'm interested in working for this person. So I'll go see their show and show my face. Right. It's like a, it's almost very game of Thrones. <laughs> like I play this game, you play that game. Yeah. And it's just very strange. Like, yeah, we I, have that in the theater world too. It, isn't it frustrating? Yeah. A little bit? The social part of it. Sometimes you just want to stay home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes life happens. You have to play like the social game a little bit. Yeah. And it's like, you have to be 
It's tiring. I don't know. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it's, it's fascinating. Uh, yeah. But then I also realized that, like, I feel that I'm part of, and as are you, part of, like, a generation of artists who are figuring out the system is flawed a little bit mm-hmm. and figuring out how to make your own way in it you know, and figuring out your own opportunities for yourself rather than trying to go into the same conventional system. Cause it's like, I don't know. There's so many middlemen in that system. I feel like, mm-hmm. and I, f- which is, which is fine. I mean, that system is great. I love being entertained. I think it's great for the people who it works for, you know, and that's kudos. But I think for me, it doesn't work for me. I find myself very frustrated in that system. So I'm glad that I'm able to make opportunities and to be, being exposed to these different ways of thinking. Yeah. You know, and making work and how to make work and why the making of work is important. And how to get it to an audience mm-hmm. in a different way. Yeah. Because a lot of times art is only for the artist. And I don't know. I look at Bach and he's one of my favorite composers and he, mostly all of his commissions were for wealthy donors or for the church right oh yeah oh oh yes 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 that's what i meant yeah so but like even back then it was for like the church was his audience and he had to create work for that that audience and i don't know i don't know when it became all about us and all about Hmm. our internal struggle and all about like darkness it's like i don't know i just long for gene kelly on stage like just seeing that, like having, like allowing the audience to be transported into a hyper reality where they forget things, and they're allowed to shed some baggage and they come out a little lighter. You know, I think that's one theatrical experience. I mean, there's also ones where it's like you're thinking a lot and you're really challenged, which is great, but that's that's really hard. That's really hard to get into if you don't want to say yes when you sit down in the seat. If you're trying to be impressed by the thing that's on stage you're like kind of curious and you get turned off by some cerebral high-end avant-garde art piece of art that's not really well and i feel like the joyful yeah thing that you're talking about is often kind of poo-pooed by critics Mm. oh because they think it's kind of lighter or like not as not as serious as the other stuff yeah Uh. but it can be just as valuable yeah to be uplifted by something than to yeah. be in the really serious I'm making art place. Yeah, I just find that I mean I like both, but <laughs> I like both too. But sometimes I feel like the world is so dark. Yeah. That's like we need a little we need to let a little light in. Yeah. Like there there needs to be a little more celebration of beauty. I mean there's so much destruction around mm-hmm. us and it's so easy to tap into that hypersexualization of like, I'm hot, and that's interesting. Especially in dance, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Since it's a physical Yeah, thing. and it's so easy to pass that line and, uh, like, succumb to, like, that, like, hypersexuality. But for me, that sexualization is just creative energy that hasn't moved up your chakra system. So it's, <laughs> like, just transmute that and make it a little more wholesome and true. Because, hmm. like... Everything's about sex until the sex happens, and then it's not about sex. It's about power. Hmm. And it's like, I don't know. If art's always about power or sex, like, where's the, where's the purity? Where's, like, the dimension to it? Where's the subtle subtlety, hmm. you know? I don't know. I like, sometimes I like being, I, I, as an audience member, I like being invited into a world rather than being told that this is the world and this is what I'm supposed to swallow. You know, curiosity will always make me more interested than blatant, here I am, break right. through the fourth wall. <laughs> no, I don't. It's like a whisper is more inviting than a shout, Yeah, in my perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned your parents earlier. Are they, do they have any artistic leanings or how do they relate to this career you're involved in? Uh, by being the most supportive, wonderful parents in the world. Yeah. And trusting in me and always saying yes and being there when I'm sad and feel like crap and just not, not telling, not telling me anything, 
really, but just being there to support me and just always having a text saying, so proud of you, thinking of you, mm. you know, and my dad um, was a call, was a athlete all throughout high school, so he's very physical. He's a black belt. Um, he does cycling with my mom right now. Uh, so he's always been very physical. So I think that's, and he was a baseball coach. Um, so he can relate to that. Yeah. So like the, yeah, the ath, the athleticism, right. He can really understand that. And then my mom is very creative and nurturing and is so crafty. Like she's just (laughs) so crafty. (laughs) And so having those, like having a super athletic and a super creative parent who are both super supportive and put their children first. Like I'm realizing as I'm coming to my late 20s how fortunate I am to have parents who went, we're going to give our children everything that they need in order to be successful and we're going to put them first and we're going to put them in activities that are expensive and they're going to be able to do those activities, you know? Did you start dance at a very young age? Mm-mm. I started when I was 16, oh. which is relatively late. Yeah. I, I guess I kind of danced my whole life, you know, just like hip hop. I always had a rhythm, mm-hmm. did theater, um, but I didn't start training classically till I was 16. I had an urge of my theater camp director. I was like, you need to <laughs> dance. He's like, okay. And then I got to. And then you really needed to dance. <laughs> yeah. And really? then I just yes, sort of. This is it. And then center stage was out. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, these, these kids are cool. That seems yes. fun. I want to dance in red point shoes. <laughs> and then I went to boarding school in North Carolina, at North Carolina uh-huh. School of the Arts. Uh-huh. I spent two, two years there in their ballet department and then auditioned for Juilliard and was like, got to do it. I actually auditioned for Juilliard twice. I didn't mm-hmm. get in my first year. I know. But I, then you did. Yeah. I worked my butt off because like, this yeah. is the place to be. Thanks, <laughs> Juilliard. Yeah. For some reason, I had it in my mind that if I wanted to be a dancer, I had to go there. Center stage. <laughs> well, yeah. that was ABT, but they used the Juilliard building, so they like subtly mm. they subtly messaged you that you should be ah, a Juilliard. Yeah. Well, it's in the Lincoln Center area. Yeah. You know, it's just that whole place. It's magical. Oh, yeah. Well, that's so, wonderful that your parents are so supportive. Yeah. They're... Sometimes it can be hard for families to understand the culture that we're in or the the demands of this career. And I like my parents because they don't try to understand. They just support. You know, That's and I great. and I talk to them and they're interested and they come see my shows and they're supportive, but I don't know. There's something where like they their love for me is not because I'm a dancer, it's not because I'm this or that. It's because they love me and that supersedes anything that I could accomplish. So they're not putting the pressure on you to accomplish certain milestones. No, they just want me to be happy and to be taking care of myself. That's so wonderful. They're like, you have your four walls, a roof, food, and you're still smiling. So that's, that's all you really need. You know? Um, can you tell me a little bit about what you've been doing for like day jobby kind of things outside of dance? Oh yeah, um, I've been working in the wonderful area of boutique fitness. Mm. Um, I I'm a trainer, uh, and I've been. Have you been doing that since school? No, mm-mm. this is a recent development. This is like six months. Um, I started in January. I realized that in order to be safe in this city, I needed to be financially independent in a field that was outside of my art form. Mm-hmm. Um, for my sanity and also for my creative development. So I like I got this job training and now I'm able to do whatever project I want. You know, and it's okay if I get paid late because I am making enough money from this job. You know, and that's a very different standpoint to be in your life. Because when you have that comfort and security already figured out it's like other things fall into place it's like i audition better because i do not have to stress about money as much i i have better meetings because my mind is not worried about what i'm going to have for dinner or what's in my fridge or how many 
meals can I get out of a ramen pack? You know, like I'm able to feed myself better and I'm able to take care of myself and take more classes and read more books and go to museums and see movies and feed your creative side. Yeah. And at first I, at first I was like, just really excited to have money in my bank account. And then I was like, Oh, I'm actually taking a step back and getting out of this tortured artist mindset where everything is wrong and everything is a struggle. And it's like, no, when I, when I do my art now, it's a joy because I choose to do it. And yes, I do have a job outside of that, but it's physical and I help the world be better because I'm like teaching people how to use their abs and stand up stronger and get their heart rate up and feel good about themselves. I mean, it's amazing. Like people don't know what freedom being physical gives you, you know, and to give someone who does not feel confident in her body, telling her that she is strong because she's lifting 12 kilograms of weight through the air at a quick tempo it's like she feels dynamic and awesome and like an athlete and that's strength and i like i think that strength is one of the best things you can have and it comes from within it's not because she's lifting that heavy weight it's because she chose that she could lift that heavy weight i think that's cool because it's all about mindset yeah all all about mindset like you always need to make your internal monologue serving you you know what i mean because we get in our way and we we always say we could be this or we could do that or xyz but it's like no you you just need to be strong in your mind and then things are gonna like don't doubt yourself don't doubt yourself if you want to get something you have to believe in yourself just gotta have the picture before you can make it work (laughs) right because a lot of people say oh i want to do this or oh i want to have a job it's like well, if you want to have a job, you're on the frequency of wanting. You're not in the frequency of having, hmm. you know? And if you believe that you are going to get a job that serves you and is ha- like all of the things that you want on your bucket list, it's out there. It might take a while to bring it into your life or to make those right connections, but it's like you always want to be that arrow pointing forward. Do you feel like you've always had that point of view or is that something you've oh. kind of developed since graduating or? Um, I've always had that point of view. Yeah. I think that's why I got into Juilliard after two years of like classical training. And when I got into Juilliard, I was just like the bottom of the barrel. It was like, oh, you guys are really good at what you do here. Like my class was, <laughs> my class was a bunch of phenomenal dancers who were beautiful and killing it professionally. Like, so great so wonderful and i got to learn from them and rather than being like oh i'm the worst person in class i was like nope i just have to spend more time in the studio after night figuring out how to fall to the ground or working on that solo or doing this because it was just my time my time of training had to be condensed into a shorter amount of time and i recognized that and it's like i rolled with it rather than trying to fight it and make it a pity party about me right because no one no one cares. No one cares about your pity party. <laughs> I, I know that's really sad to say, but... No, but it's true. It, I, I think the reason we're friends is because we bring each other up. You know, and we're, we're always like, yeah, totally cool. What's up? Hey, hey. <laughs> it's not, oh, well, the world is wrong. It rained today, and that means that I'm not going to do this or this. It's like, no, it rained today, and I'm going to put on an umbrella, and I'm going to get my errands done. Mm-hmm. The world is full of accidents and things that go astray. But if you are able to react with that with like strength and just like a tenacity, like you're always going to find your way. I love that about you. Your outlook is so positive. It's incredible. Yeah. But like life does stink. Like, no, I, I know. I'm not like a, like, right. Well, like you have to acknowledge that you have to acknowledge what you're feeling. You have to acknowledge where you are. But yeah. Then, but then to go back to that place of like, okay, that happened. And now I'm going to move forward. Yeah. Like that's incredible. But my Ben and Jerry's reality sometimes is very real. (laughs) And I take my minute and I'm Mm -hmm. on that. And then I go, okay, time to wipe yourself up. What can I learn from this situation? Yeah. Because like, I don't know. It's very interesting in my life. I find that every situation is trying to tell me something. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when I'm not listening, I just have the same situation coming up over and over and over again until I'm able to listen to that. And I go, oh, there's a pattern. And that pattern is me. Learn that lesson. Yeah. 
And once you realize that you're in control of a lot of stuff, like how you perceive, then things start to change, Hmm. you know? Like this was a shift in me recently in auditions. Like I go into an audition now, I'm like, this is a conversation. This is a conversation between you and me to figure out if we can formulate a sentence. Does it make sense for each of us to be a participant? You know, and sometimes it rolls really well and sometimes it doesn't. But when it doesn't, it's actually more, it's actually fine because I'm still in the room. I'm still having fun. But I just realized it's not working rather than going into an audition going, I need to book this. Right. I need to have this. I want this better more than the other person right. in the room. Or I'm, I just did something wrong. I didn't or I should show have them this. what they needed. I'm more technically advanced or, oh, mm-hmm. I should have, I should have formatted my, my resume this way and I should have put the, it's like, no. No, 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 no. Those are, like, you get lost in the details and you don't realize what actually happens in the room. Right. Because it's, like, it's basically just a conversation. Right. Well, you were telling me, though, that sometimes you do feel like cattle and you're auditioning with a big group. And, like, how do you you make it into that conversation for yourself when you feel that way? Is it just about observing what they're teaching and you're like, well, this choreography doesn't speak to me? Or Yeah, well, it's also, like... How do you take that power? Like, uh... The I've gotten jobs from open cattle calls, um, uh, uh, and it's it's realizing that you're a one voice in a very large conversation, and you need to listen even more hmm. so that when you're being viewed, you are a clear vessel of the information that's being presented in the front of the room. Hmm. You know, rather than trying, rather than trying to be the best in the room, I'm trying to be the truest to the form in the room. Yeah, you know, so I'm trying to. Th- because at least in dance, they always are t- saying the same corrections or saying what they're looking for. And tapping into that, you know, that's what I find sets me apart. It's just listening. Because they give you a lot of verbal cues. And you can listen by watching. You can listen by hearing. And you can listen by seeing other people dance. Because you can show someone a move. And everyone's going to have their own lens. Everyone's going to have their own lens of interpreting it. Right. Especially in an audition. Oh, they're yeah. They're all thinking about a million different things. But to know to know that your lens is being true is hard. Do you know what I mean? So you, it's just like, it's a practice. It's a knowledge. Like, I take dance class a lot. I went to school. Like, I've, I've, I've worked a lot. I've worked on my craft a lot i'm very Mm -hmm. serious about dancing i love dance go dance more dance (laughs) so i guess i i guess i'm like just trying to say all these wonderful things to get around a point like i just i try to be true and honest and like bring myself bring my light into the room and let that show rather than trying to hit the step i try to embody it and like perform it like really dance it you know (laughs) like actually have fun in the audition yeah because so many people are just so stressed like i tried i try to i i am such a jokester in auditions like i just try to make the people around me laugh and i try to have conversations i think that's an amazing amazing way to approach it (laughs) I, i i try to be i try to be friends with people like i just try to just yeah because if i'm trying to compete with that other person it just doesn't work but if i'm like Hey, what's up? It's like, oh, you came here today? That's fun. <laughs> like, oh, Or like I see my friends in audition. I'm like, oh, you want this job too? That's great. Cool. <laughs> I hope I get it. Or something like trying to keep it light. So I always kind of love it when I run into friends some... at an audition. We don't have to audition at the exact same time like oh, you do. Mm-hmm. But like if I run into them and we're both waiting to go in, it always kind of puts me at ease because we get to talk about our lives and like makes me feel at home before we each go in and do our thing well that's lovely sometimes in dance, you have to do it at the, at the exact same time which is awkward but no it's lovely that you can do that but sometimes in the dance world it's like people when you see them in audition you, you see them like every three months and you don't really have any urge to have a real relationship with them so they just try to interview you and pump you for information mm. what have you been working on yeah, or yeah. who's dancing with that company? Oh, oh, did you hear this? Or did mm. you hear that? Oh, did you get a call back for that? And it's just like, oh my goodness. So, like, I just got a crock pot and I made pulled <laughs> pork for the first time. It's really good. I had like six cups of apple cider vinegar in the pork. It was, like, you know, like that's the type of stuff that. Yes. 
I talk the stuff about? that I want to hear about. Like yeah. that's the, yeah. I, Let's I have conversations know. about real life instead of the business. Yeah. Cause it's, I don't know. Sometimes talking about the business in that way is a big time to get into the dark side. You know, that, yeah. that gossipy info thing. Like I actually like being ignorant of like companies comings and goings or if a, a director is a total jerk, like I can, I don't want to know sometimes the anecdotes about like why this person left in a huff or why this right. person was this, that, or the other. Cause there's always three sides to the story. There's her side, his side, and the truth. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's just that gossipy culture that's been pervading. I just find it really unhealthy cause I hate, I hate, I hate knowing information about someone that I haven't, haven't seen. And then I see them for a while and it's like, oh, I already know what you're going to tell me. Or I know that you had this event that happened and it was really embarrassing for you. Because it's just weird. Right. But it's not based on your experience with them at all. Yeah. And I don't know if it's actually true. It's just like ballet bar jargon. Hmm. Like you see someone before a ballet class and like, oh my God, did you see that person? They left the company. And it was... It's like, uh, really? Like, that can't be true. And then you leave and you dance and then you have, like, this really bad seed in your head where it's like, oh, my goodness, there was a very dramatic event happening. And it ends up being, like, a super casual thing where, oh, sorry, I didn't get the email. Like that. Is this making any sense? Yeah. Yeah, so I just don't like knowing that about that gossip. Like, I really try to separate myself from it because I don't care. that can be poisonous. Yeah, I mean... Business is business. And I think that if you have an uncomfortable relationship with someone, then learn from it. You don't need to air that out all the time. I love that you talk about it as business and you talk about yourself as an employee. Yeah. Because well, I feel like it's so easy to blur those lines in the arts of being like... Well, that's because we don't... We're n- there's the, Remember that respect thing we were talking about earlier? Yeah. Because a lot of people don't view art as a business. And it is. Right. And I love that you approach it that way. Yeah. And I think that art needs to be more business oriented in order to be successful. You know, dance makers who are successful today have a brand. They have a business. They know what their audience wants and they know how to get funding. You know, it's like ideals are all fine and good, but ideals don't allow your dancers to be their highest selves. It doesn't give them the ability to make smart dietary choices or get body work done or take class. It just sort of fills them in with feeling good that, oh, we're really achieving real artwork here and aren't we doing the real work? It's like, mm-hmm. no, all dance is good dance. You know, like when it comes down to it, it's expression of the human soul and who are you to say what wor- piece of art is better or worse? It's like, no, you need to create an environment for your dancers that they can be successful. That's where I view successful art now. Yeah. And that's a shift since school. They can live school. a decent life. Yeah, that's that's a big shift from school because I would be like, oh, it's all about that work. It's all about the work. It's all about the process. And I'm like, it's about the process. It's about the work, but it's also about how you're treated in the work. Because mm-hmm. if you're not if you're not able to have a real life outside of your work, you know, if you're not able to go to out to dinner or you're not able to grab a happy hour or you're not able to take a yoga class or afford a train or plane ride home then you're living on a level that's a struggle. And how are you supposed to uplift society from your art if you're always in that struggle? You know? Mm-hmm. And that's that's something that I had to grip with and had to, that was a bitter pill for me to swallow. Because like, no, I'm struggling because I'm making sacrifices for the work and that's what you're supposed to do. It's like, no, you don't need to do that. And I think that's why it's a cycle. It's a really unhealthy cycle. And I, I, I want to break it. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that there has to be good. I don't think that there has to be this formula of good work is poor paying and bad work it's pays like really well. really commercial and pays you a lot of money. I think there's a lot of really great commercial stuff that is killing it. Like some stuff that they're doing out in LA in music videos, I think is spectacular. I think it's wonderful. I think the stuff that they're doing on Broadway, like especially with American in Paris or on the town, 
I think those are wonderful shows. And yes, they are commercial oriented in a Broadway facet, but those dancers are beautiful Mm -hmm. and they have such great clarity in their body. And like, it's entertaining to watch. Right. And I don't, I don't think that that is any different than something that is being presented at BAM Next Wave Festival. I, you know what I mean? Because I was presented at BAM Next Wave Festival and I couldn't afford dinner on my opening night. I couldn't, I, I had to borrow money from my roommate in order to go to the deli to buy a peanut butter and jelly bagel. But I was being presented at BAM Next Wave. Like that, it's interesting because you think, when I was in school, I was like, oh, anything that's being presented at BAM, like, oh, you're just going to be getting money. Yeah, it's they'll like, obviously be paying you a fair, a fair wage. And it's just like, I was there, and I was like, oh. <laughs> that was a ha-ha moment. I was like, oh, it's not what it seems like from the outside. Like, right. this is this is real, and this is sad that I'm at. And it's no one. it's no one's fault. Like, I'm not blaming anyone. It's just I realized at that moment that I'm making a choice to be in this situation. And this is not a situation that's allowing me to be me. It's putting me in a very dark place. Because when you can't afford food, you're putting yourself in a dark place. You know, and I think a lot of artists always want to be working and they always want to be doing a project. And like what I've, what I did this summer is I took a step back. I went, what do I really want out of life? What do I really want to do? I want to be happy. So I need to take myself out of situations that are making me unhappy, even though from the outside perspective, when I have a conversation with someone, it sounds like I'm successful, mm-hmm. you know, like it's a difference between having a successful conversation with someone and feeling like crap on the inside and having someone who's kind of unimpressed with what you're doing, but you don't really care one way or the other because you are fulfilled in it yourself. Yeah. You know, and I'm just fulfilled right now. You know, and it's, it's really great because I feel really open. Yeah. And I didn't feel that way before, but I felt like I had to stay in a position and I don't know. I took responsibility for myself and realized, and the situation that I was in is wonderful for some people and they're making it work and their realities like jive with it. And it's awesome Mm -hmm. for me. It didn't work. And I try to force myself into that system and it, I'd, I I wasn't allowing myself to be unhappy in a situation where so many people wanted it. Right. Does that make sense? And I was miserable and I felt, I felt sh- crappy for being miserable. Cause I was like, so many people want to be here. Right. But I didn't allow myself to go, well, you don't want to be here, Jeff. So that's all that matters. It's like what you want. So now that you're out of that situation, you feel like you can build your life from the ground up for what you want. Yeah. yeah. And I also think that that without that situation, I would not be where I am. So I wouldn't right. know what I want. And I'm actually no, really it was an experience that you needed, but now you're out of it. And I'm grateful for that situation. Good. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. I'm grateful for pretty much everything that's happened in my life. Cause it's allowed me to have a perspective. You know, that's the great thing about the past. It gives you perspective, mm-hmm. but some people, yeah, it's, it's fascinating when people don't realize that and they let the past constantly influence their future. Because if you think about it, you're always creating your story. And your story is like what you add to that narrative. And it's what we're adding right now. Like we're adding to each other's stories. Like we're, we're adding to right. a reality. But if I was – but we could, we could be creating a very different reality if we choose to have – a different perspective, you know, mm-hmm. if we were bringing that outside world in with us today or... Right. This is like a commentary on our experiences. Yeah. And I don't know. I guess I'm just choosing to make my story better. I don't know. It's amazing. We just want more, right? It's like yeah. that commercial, the T-Mobile commercial with the little kids. Did you see that one? Oh, we're oh, going to have yeah, to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah okay, I cool. Okay. If you weren't, we were going to have to YouTube that <laughs> later. I was like, okay, we'll do that. <laughs> No, because we really got to know each other when we were teaching yes. at Juilliard in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I'm like, have you done a lot of that kind of like teaching and outreach stuff since school? I, I haven't. I want to get back into it now. I want to get back into it too. Um, and I'm actually in talks with some organizations to be working with that sort of on the ground level. Mm-hmm. 
like get back into it. Yeah. But I found myself having to be a little more selfish because now I'm responsible for myself. Yeah. You know, and it's a lot of money to do that type of work. I mean, it's, it's, no, it's almost always volunteer. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It's volunteer and then you also have to put your life on hold and be able to sort of keep your life going when you leave, especially living in New York City because it's just bananas here with how much money we pay. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted I'm, – I'm, it's sad to say I'm not involved in things like that. Okay. I was just curious. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we both want to get back, yeah. back involved with well, that. Well, because I feel like that's one of the most important things as being an artist is allowing – is giving back to – young people or just the community where they wouldn't like putting art in unexpected places because that gives people just that memory of art and it makes art real to them. It doesn't make it something that they learned in a textbook. It makes it real. It makes it tactile. You know, like all those performances we had in that construction site or at those public schools, like that put art in their eyeballs Mm -hmm. and it made them see it up close and personal and that it can never be erased. And we expose it to them, and it's always for that. And I don't know how they, how those students interpret it, or what my students in the literacy program at Juilliard I was involved in, like what they're doing now. But I know that I expose them to something. And, you know, maybe I plant a seed where it'll germinate in something pretty cool. But I don't know. I don't. I don't know. But I was glad that I was able to, there to make an impact. Do you know what I mean? Oh. Yeah. But I I have been doing a very cool outreach program at Lincoln Center. Really? Um, yeah, with former alums Jen Jenna Pollock. Okay, uh, I think she told me about this, but please. Donald Borer and Grace Song. Yeah, uh, we did. Talk about it. An, a Donald Borer was commissioned to do a program for young children, introducing them about ballet and dance. And he took divertissement music for or scenic change movement from sleeping beauty and made grim brothers grim fairy tales out of it oh, cool. so we did a red riding hood sleeping beauty hansel and gretel um and he talked about pantomime and he was in the narrator of it and he had like a slideshow and we had different props like i was the wolf and i had a little mask and then Aww. i was the prince and i had a cape with the crown and we taught the children about dance and how to express your feelings through movement and how to, yeah, how to use your body to express emotions so they That's could. amazing. Yeah. It was actually amazing because I saw after being a part of the show for a year, I went to see ABT a couple of times this spring season. I had a friend in the show and I was like, oh, this is what ballet pantomime is. I can actually follow <laughs> it. Cool. I know what's going on Who now. Who were the kids? Like, how, how did the audience wind up at the show? Um, They they were bussed in. It was part of their... Like school groups? Yeah. Awesome. So it was field trips. Um, Lincoln Center has this great educational outreach component, and s- schools sign up for it. And they have awesome. teaching artists that go into the schools and talk about what they're going to do in the performance and the kids already knew about dance and the brothers Grimm and it was great, you know, and that was really, really powerful and hearing them be like, what's your favorite dance move? (laughs) Do you like being the wolf? Or what my favorite question was, these are my bangs. (laughs) And that was the best. I don't know. It's, it's like dance is like a unicorn in reality. Like you don't really meet that many dancers. You meet a lot of former dancers. I definitely believe that you're a unicorn. Yeah, but like <laughs> it's it, an amazing thing. I just want more dance out there. Like if you're out there listening, just do a little dance party. <laughs> just put on I really wish that dance like social dance were still yes, a part of our culture. Mm-hmm. I f- I mean people go to clubs and dance at weddings and stuff, but like partner dancing, like social ballroom dancing, just like casual dancing with a partner, it's not really a thing anymore. No. It's and not. I really wish it were. It's so much fun. Yes. And it, it gives people this physical way to relate to each other in this social setting it, it, that is lacking. It puts something special in the air. Yeah. Because when you go to a club, like, first of all, you can't hear anything. You can't see anything. And you can't move. Right? Mm-hmm. Or if you are <laughs> dancing with someone, it's very sexual and, like, grinding or whatever. 
<laughs> or twerking. Or which, twerking. That's what our generation <laughs> is known for. Uh, but like I was lucky enough, like when I was a like a young teenager, there was a guy at my friend's church who was a retired Arthur Murray instructor. Oh. And he did a whole ballroom dance class every Sunday for this whole group of homeschooled teenagers. And it was great. And so we all got to learn to dance together. We, My brother and I ended up swing dancing together for years, and it really, like, saved our relationship. Um, and it was so much fun to have something like that to do with your friends, where, like, you all know the secret code, and you can work together to do this cool thing. It's community. Yeah. And it's I joy. I had that. Like... In in ancient cultures, a lot of them didn't have a differentiation between music and dance. They had the same word. Hmm. So, I don't know. When, but now it seems like you have to be a trained uh, dancer like you to dance. Like people, just normal people, don't always allow themselves to dance. Well, I think it's because a lot of people have the perception of themselves dancing and they're scared that they're going to look up silly. When actually, whenever I see someone dancing, I usually am inspired to have fun because they're having fun and I want to have fun. Yeah. Like, as a dancer, I I celebrate when anyone dances. And they're like, I, I always find it so weird when people go, oh, you're going to make me look bad. I went, no. What? Huh? No, we're just doing dance moves. Yeah. I, I encourage everyone to find their life dancer within them. You know, like being a yeah. life dancer, like just always finding a groove. Because you, dancing in your room by yourself to your iPod shuffle or what have you <laughs> is powerful. And like, I have dance parties in my room. No, me too. Yeah. Put on some Beyonce, <laughs> whatever. I just wish it were more of a normal thing. I think that it is it more is normal. In cer- certain circles. I don't think that people talk about their underwear dance parties in front <laughs> of their mirror. Well, I'm not talking about the underwear dance parties. I wish it were more of like a normal social uh, thing. Yeah. I mean, so. I to- I totally. Unabashedly. Yeah. Because I would go dancing every single night. I think I would too. That would be so much fun. It would be great. Um, are there any things that like books or certain albums or movies that you turn to over and over again to kind of take yourself out of the dark side? Like things that you find yourself rereading or listening to on repeat that kind of lift you up um i've been listening to a lot of um aaron copeland okay uh for some reason whenever i listen to his music i feel american and i feel proud to be a dancer making work in america because it's a culture that doesn't celebrate the art form as much it's not like in culturally embedded in our society as it is in Europe. Yeah. So that's something that I've, I don't know why I get like a, I feel safe when I listen to his music because it's, it makes me think of canyons and open space and Martha Graham and like Agnes DeMille and these wonderful dance creators that are American, you know? Um, And then a lot of roomy poetry that that always makes me feel great because it's it's simple it's lovely it's about nature and it's real and i've been watching a lot of like dramatic things on hbo or netflix like television series i've just been really getting into that i just finished sense eight Mm-hmm. And I haven't watched it yet, but I find that really interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just really interested about the human condition. Like Orange is the New Black was really great. Uh, I just really like both of their programming. I, yeah. I think it's really interesting. It's out of the box. It's not conventional. I feel like I can never find those story arcs. I like There's the, so much good stuff on TV right now. Yeah, I like getting lost in a narrative because the I I really like relating to a character for some reason. Whereas before. Before, I used to be very interested in watching things. Mm. I think because I was a little bit more of a narcissist back in the day. (laughs) But now it's... It makes me feel a little less weird when I see someone going... When I see a character going through a struggle, it makes me deal with my troubles more easily. 
because I empathize. Like it, it allows me to be empathetic to myself and also to my friends. Because I feel like I'm, mm-hmm. I feel like with television, especially with what's being created now with such great, unique programming, like, like House of Cards, like just like blew my mind, you know. And I really felt, I really felt a real raw emotion watching like Kevin Spacey going through this sick world. And that, I don't know, it was great to feel something while watching entertain while watching my yeah. computer. Because I know for me, sometimes, like, seeing a dance show, like, seeing something other than my specific medium mm-hmm. is more inspiring to me than seeing a play. Like, yeah. seeing a dance, I'll be so much more inspired for some reason at certain points. So I wonder if it's the same sometimes. Like, uh. seeing something, seeing a story told in a different way than dance yeah. can, like, take you out of your own sphere. Yeah, I definitely think that's true. A lot of um, my a friend of mine, Dominic, um, he wonderful dancer. He was saying how he, whenever he goes to see a dance show now, he's in a bad habit of falling asleep, <laughs> um, which I find really interesting. Huh? Just because it's like sometimes you become within your art form, you become so jaded to it, yeah. You can't even appreciate it, or you're picking it apart, or yeah. whatever it is. Or also the art that you're seeing on stage might be, I don't know. Do you ever find that sometimes you're watching stage and you're like, okay, I I know you're technical. Like, I know you got the chops. But why? Why is this this going on? It seems so derivative. And it's like you already need to be in the club in order to understand what's going on on stage. And that seems backwards to me. Because didn't we really try to bring art to the people hmm. and was it, is it isn't that a thing isn't like without the audience like you have to be in the club to yeah to understand it. is there anything that you've seen in the last couple months that you'd like to recommend i would see i would say go see then then she fell which um, i've heard yeah it's fantastic and they're actually opening a new show um the grand paradise in mm. the fall I would say go see that. Um, and that's with the Third Rail. Third Rail Project. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- I would say go see any immersive theater. I would, see, I would say go see it. I think that that is a great art form that is yeah. for today's society. Me too. I think that, I, especially with like everyone, I feel like everyone has their own avatar now with their cell phone. Like everyone has an extension of themselves. So they're creating a brand online. They have a social presence, what have you. I mean, I think people, yeah, people have an identity that's larger than what it used to be. And immersive theater allows the individual to be their star of their universe. Hmm. And I think that that places the audience in a powerful position because they get to choose what they want to see. And that's what they want. They want to choose. They want to have power. They don't want to be sitting in a seat being told what to look out. They want to, they're curious. They want to explore. They want to, they want to be shocked. They want to be inspired. They want to be curious. They want to be involved. Yes. They want to unlock it, you know, because the phone is so easy now. But when you're like, when you're in the audience of sleep no more, you have to fight to see the performers. You have to, you have to work to see the show. And that's a part of the, the thrill, the vigor of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think. Of course, when we when I leave this interview, I'm going to have a million things to talk about. <laughs> um, I would also say I recommend the Magicians trilogy. I forget who it's by, hmm. but it's it's like a post. It's like a real life Hogwarts post graduate. Okay. It's very 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 cool. Wait, it's a show or it's books? It's a book. Okay. It's coming out on Showtime. They right. they made a show out of it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for thank you. To talk with me. I had so much fun. I really appreciate it. Mm. Thank you for listening to the Compass Podcast. I'm Leah Walsh. More episodes are coming soon. Please look for us on Facebook and iTunes. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller, music by Brendan Spieth, audio assistance from Nick Choksi, and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.